Welcome everybody to Beat the Shift Baseball. This is episode 92 for Tuesday, January 19th. I'm Alex Zui here today with Farbod Markazi and Alex Rudy. How are you guys doing? With with that excitement coming out of you, I couldn't be even I couldn't be be, be better, man. Did I throw you guys off? I changed the inflection on my yeah. intro. Yeah, that that, that was it. <laughs> I, 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 it's the little things to, to shake things up. Uh, happy Martin Luther King Day, everybody, by the way. Oh, good. Had to throw that in one in there. Thank you. Much appreciated. I uh, second that for sure. Hope you enjoyed Last your your day, day off of if you had it. Marathon. Oh, yeah, true. Uh, we should be a basketball podcast right now. There's a lot more stuff going on in the NBA, but there, there's, there's plenty to talk about baseball and we'll do our thing. We'll talk about everything that happened in the last week. Uh, pretty straightforward stuff. Let's start with the uh, the most recent news that we've got to work with here, and it's a pretty unexpected one. Uh, not unexpected because it involves the Padres trading for another pitcher, but uh, it's surprising because the Padres traded for another starting pitcher, uh, and that would be Joe Musgrove. There was a big three-team trade in which the Padres sent three prospects and Joey Lucchese to Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh continued to flip Lucchese to the Mets for yet another prospect. So four prospects to Pittsburgh, Lucchese to the Mets, Joe Musgrove to the Padres. That's, that's it. What do we think? The Padres have enough pitching yet? Are they going to go sign Trevor Bauer still? What's happening? I love I, that. The, yeah, I, I, there's some things that like, Okay, I, I want to point out, Musgrove's not a bad pitcher. Um, and if, if they think that this is an attractive signing because of his contract or because he's uh, an attractive trade because of his contract or because of the years of control they have over him, more power to them. But at some point, I, I know the moves that the Padres have made have been very good so far, but... How many trades can they make until they eventually find themselves in a 2015 Padres situation of just overbuying? Um, it like I, I see this as like a did they need this? Like is is this the thing that was going to put them from an, a very good team to an elite team? I don't think so, but more power to them for picking up another pitcher. I think that. Uh... At the end of the day, I think I agree with what you just said, 100%. Uh, a fair taking. It was, it was definitely my initial reaction. I think my, like, devil's advocate is that clearly the Padres have nailed this, like, market for starting pitching in the MLB, this buyer's market that no one else is willing to spend like them in for whether it be uh, they're too near the luxury tax or they're just trying to cut payroll or they don't have the prospects or assets. And they've managed to make all make all these moves without giving up any of their uh, you know, like top seven or so prospects, top six. I think they just gave up their seventh uh, ranked pro- prospect, Hudson Head, who's in rookie ball in this. And when you put that all together, it's hard to me for me to like criticize a move where you're just you're giving up. Uh, all you're giving up is farm system depth for a 28-year-old starting pitcher with who is in a free agent until 2023. Um, that, you know, you can never have enough pitching, I think is what the biggest lesson the past couple of seasons, if not all of baseball history, has been 
I, I think the re, the real question. But they did though, trade a major league talent in pitch in pitching as well. Yeah, but I mean, Musgrove is clearly an upgrade. Yeah. How much better is that? That is first of the question. I mean, Musgrove, uh, which I think you were getting at, I hundred percent agree with. It's definitely debatable how good he really is. Clearly, he's a very talented guy. He's you know someone who's been touted. He was traded for Garrett Cole, you know, last season in only forty less than forty innings. He was he was excellent. You know, he's a guy who I think the advanced stats point to he maybe wasn't performing to his full potential in Pittsburgh. So I, clearly San Diego is betting that they'll get more of him. But they also, last thing I'll say, and then I'll, I'll give it to Yui and you Farbo to respond, is they don't really need him to be more than he's been. I mean, they have Darvish now. You know, even with Clevenger out, they have Snell. They have Paddock. You know, they have Lamette. They have Morejon. You know, they have <laughs> Mackenzie Gore coming. I mean, so that that's how I, I see it. I, I, sorry to um, stop you from uh, saying your piece, but I, I do want to point out that in the end of it, like I said, more power to the Padres for getting the pitcher that they think um, is better for their organization. Um, I, th- I just I, – I don't I – don't, want to criticize this trade and make it seem like it was bad for the Padres. I feel like they gave up more for Musgrove than they did for Darvish. Um, but at the same time, I, I, I do want to point out that some of my, I, I think this trade was very meh from both sides and it could end up being a drastic win for the Padres or for the Pirates down the road. Um, a lot of my criticism or anger probably comes from the fact that I'm an Angels fan and I kind of also wanted Musgrove. So yeah. Um, that, that, uh, yeah. Now that he's off the board, that that's part of my frustration. The theme of this off season in the Padres and and the confusion around everything is more so from, hey, why didn't my team do that? That's all it took. What the heck? What we could have done that, like it, it, so many teams, you know, even with slightly worse farm systems or even considerably worse farm systems, could have been making aggressive moves like this in a really buyer heavy market. Uh, that's frustrating. I don't know. I'm I'm sorry to to those who are fans of teams out there, uh, who are just kind of sitting back, and uh, and I don't know, pick like chipping away at whatever's left at the market, uh, without really having any fun with it and and making exciting splashes. Uh, the one other thing that I just kind of noticed from what the Padres are doing, and maybe maybe a conversation for another day with how Major League Baseball and in uh, player developments trending, but it seems like the MLB have pretty clear intentions of reducing the size of the minor league player pool, so Uh, to speak. So this could be the Padres just reading the situation at hand and being like, we don't need this much depth because we're going to have to make a lot of cuts in general down the line, especially if the trend continues the way things are. That could definitely be part of it. Um, the teams that are um, minor league stockpilers, you know, will definitely be hurt by this the most. And uh, you know, maybe the Padres are saying, you know what, let's we, like we got to make some moves now. Quality over quantity. They have certainly not sacrificed any of the quality of the, the top end of their farm system uh, in in all the moves they've made. So that's just a little a little nugget. Maybe something to to talk about more in depth. At another but time. The last thing, though, I know we want to move on, mm-hmm. not spend too much time on this, but I think it is worth asking. Uh, you know, I, I 
I know the Mets, the Mets got Luchesi, not the Pirates. Is it is it worth asking? <laughs> I mean, the Pirates are they not? Lamb- I know they're pretty lambasted, but I, why else did they even get back for Garrett Cole? I mean, at this point, they've traded. They turned Garrett Cole into five prospects from the Padres. Yeah, and 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 uh, twenty twenty one NL MVP Colin Moran. <laughs> Between yes. that, you know, the disastrous Archer trade. I mean, it, are they not an embarrassing organization at this point? I mean, they. I'm not trying to just roast people from Pittsburgh for the sake of it, especially after a brutal dealer's uh, upset to the Browns. But it, it's they're kind of. It's, I get. I don't know. What I'm trying to get at, but like, is it excusable in 2021? Almost caught. Almost said 2020. There feels the same <laughs> to just do this kick the can thing. I, I, I just because they can't, uh, you know, there, there's nothing, they don't have the money, I guess, quote unquote, to pay for them. I think, I guess what I'm really trying to get is like, I think as much hate the Rays get for like, they trade guys at peak value uh, instead of paying them essentially, the Rays at least like try to win to some extent. I mean, they just made the World Series. They clearly do try to win. I mean, the Pirates are have to be one of the most embarrassing organizations in professional sports in terms of how little commitment there is to actually fielding a competitive product on in a regular on a regular basis. I mean, since we've been alive, they've been good like maybe once or twice with Andrew McCutcheon. That's about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had a couple years with uh, McCutcheon, Josh Harrison, um, and EJ Burnett and uh, Pedro Alvarez. Um, I I do think I I do agree with you. It's kind of it's wild seeing the returns that they give up on some trades and some of the mistakes that they've made in the past. I know one of the things Padre fans are saying on social media right now are, when can we actually have a player and like keep him? <laughs> because we always, uh, to your point, Rays have the same thing. They don't they they have players, but they don't keep their guys, but they put the effort in to show their fans we're going to be competitive maybe not next year but the year after we could be a 90 win team I'll like, we're, we're way. Way. um They're, the pirates most famous player is known for his adoration of vanessa hudgens that's it that sums up everything you need to know about them in one currently but yeah. but <laughs> i do want to point out um even the I, I do want to point out coherent plan than that Yes. Um, I Just to play devil's advocate, I do want to point out that their uh, general manager, President Baseball Operations, Ben Sherrington, it's not like he doesn't know what he's doing. He was with the Red Sox for a while. He's a big player development guy. They ha- um, over, So far this offseason, it's been quiet, but they've changed it. They've like, done some in-house overhauls with like their athletic trainers, their strength and conditioning coaches, pitching development. They've gone through the um, – like they're, they're trying – to fix their team on an organizational level, I guess, right now. Um, and you can think of that how you want, but at the same time, it's not like they're completely saying, let's save money, let's um, ignore everything else, and let's just try to put 25, 26 guys out there. Um, I think they're trying, they're playing the long haul, and hopefully at some point they'll, they'll be able to field a team that um, is worthy of that ballpark. That ballpark is beautiful. Um, yeah, yeah, it is. I agree. Otherwise, one of my fi- otherwise pirates a pretty sad team. 
and that's yeah. that's well, always I mean, how it is. I think your best attribute is the stadium. I mean, I guess that was the Padres until very recently, but that means you're a terrible organization. That's all that means. I think overall it, it would be good for baseball for the Pirates to be good. Um, I I don't know about you guys, but one of my most fun moments of the 2010s was when the Pirates played the Reds in the playoffs and the fans all chanted Cueto to the point where Cueto dropped the ball um, on the mound and then they started cheering. That was just fun. And <laughs> you you want to see stuff like that happen in baseball. Yeah. Uh, can uh, uh, This is just a more general comment. Can we retire the whole, like, you know, baseball is better when this team is good. Base this the sport, any sport is better when more teams are good. I'm just gonna say that, uh, like, uh, it's such a tired statement. More fun, <laughs> more fun. It's more fun. It's of course, like, obviously. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why I picked now to just like call you out on that. But just every time I hear it, I'm like, yeah, what the well, hell? Well, obviously, I, I I was bored. I wanted to call you out. I'm sorry. I, I I okay. Here's the last thing. When you say that. Anytime this podcast or next podcast, I will. Play. I'm not gonna say. I when do I ever say I, baseball? I like baseball's baseball's better when when the Yankees are good. Like that's that's such a that's such a uh, a textbook report. Oh, okay, you got me there. <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about the Yankees uh, being good for baseball and, yes. and them getting better. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, power. <laughs> uh, we resigned LeMahieu. Finally, I say we like I work for them. I do not. Uh, DJ LeMahieu is back on a kind of s- smaller deal than maybe people were were thinking. Um, annual annual value wise. Annual value, and you know he he didn't he didn't crack a hundred million in in total total earnings as well. It was um it was six. I think years, he just wanted the sixth year. Six. It was like six years to touch over ninety. Right. Was the deal? Yeah. It was six ninety, I think. Yeah. On the nose. Oh, okay. There you go. Uh, but that's that's what got the job done. No other teams wanted to outbid for a clear cut MVP caliber player, and it's purely just because of his age. If he was like two or three years younger, I think he would have made maybe three times as much as he made. Uh, that's just kind of how it is. But uh, Rudy and I are happy. Yay. Well, <laughs> how are you gonna feel in four years when? Uh, that the one of the biggest criticisms I've seen of this is how are you gonna feel in four or five years when you're paying Lemayhu, Stanton, uh, and for some reason two I can't remember two other guys uh, Cole and and basically over a hundred and some million dollars all on like four or five guys. Eh, that's we'll not my money. Then, yeah. It's not my money. I mean, I I think though you are hitting on what I was gonna say is that the Yankees' problem which is something that, you know, you know, it's it's not that big of a problem compared to most teams' problems, but the Yankees are clearly not ever returning anytime soon to the George Steinbrenner Smith, uh, spend infinitely to win. I mean, this offseason has been done clearly with a strategy of staying under the luxury tax, uh, which means they only have about $6 million left to spend free agency to fill in any more holes, which I would say there are, there's several. So yeah, I mean, once, you know, they have to pay judge and, uh, Torres and Urshela, I mean, and Voight, I mean, there's going to be some choice, hard choices that are going to be made. I'm not looking forward. Um, well, 
to that to that future. But even even now, I think even before we think about that, because you know, I trust Cashman to figure something out down the line, trades or otherwise, or maybe by then Hal Steinbrenner would be willing to spend uh, a sufficient amount of money if we're just under the current restrictions. I mean, the Yankees right now are clearly not equivalent to the Dodgers, uh, in my opinion, or maybe even the Padres now. And that may, I mean, at the end of the day, they just have to make it to the World Series in the American League. And I think after, you know, uh, the Snell trade weekends, Tampa and, um, you know, Houston, I don't think will have the same strength without Springer quite. I mean, it's not like the Yankees are unique and maybe being a little bit weaker than last year, but. Uh, I mean, it's not, I guess what I'm just trying to say is that this Yankee team going to next year doesn't necessarily feel better. It kind of feels like some pieces might have been moved around. I mean, Kluber could have a bounce back years and perennial side on candidate. Again, I wouldn't bet on it, but uh, I'm a little, I'm a little nervous. I would say I don't have the confidence I had the past couple of seasons. I think you're also hitting um, him nail on the head where you say, they they have some guys that are going to be hitting the points in their careers that they're going to be looking for contracts, they're going to be hitting free agency or maybe higher um, arbitration values. And I I don't know if necessarily we can make the conclusion gets come to the conclusion that it's Hal Steinbrenner saying that they don't want to spend infinitely to win. They might be honestly Cashman saying if we spend infinitely right now what are we supposed to do with the like the guys like judge when we, when it's time to pay, pay them and stuff like that. And, and, and also I think a lot of times you have to look at the markets that are there. Obviously the Yankees have some tools. There are some free agents out there that would be stop gaps, but there's nothing out there that other than maybe like a Trevor Bauer who probably um, won't end up in, in New York, unless it's with the Mets um, that, would warrant or be worth it, quote unquote, to go over the luxury tax for. So like, it's, I think your way, you have to weigh your options and like, yes, they can break the bank and, um, and spend infinitely to win. But what about next, next free agency? I don't know who the free agents are. Um, I haven't looked that far ahead, but maybe they have, and they've deemed that they would rather make that, infinite spending um next next off season two off seasons from now sign judge um Rochelle stuff like that mm-hmm. yeah I'm not concerned I'm not concerned I think Rudy snuck that in there that he trusts that the Yankees will make moves this is just what good teams have to do when they have players who will reach the point where they need to get paid and they're already paying players like what how, how will they do it they'll they'll do it they'll do something I, I just think, <laughs> I, I agree I just think like the question is is, the, is this window already closing on a team that I think, you know, they had that wild card run in 2017 uh, where they were one game away from the World Series. I feel like the beginning and I, I'm going to be pretty, it's going to be pretty, uh, you know, upsetting as a fan to look back in five years and say, well, that was the closest this core is ever going to get. I mean, obviously that's just like the luck of sports to some degree, but mm-hmm. a team with the supposedly infinite resources of the Yankees, you think wouldn't be willing to settle for that. And I think you're definitely seeing, a, a, there's definitely been a concrete shift in mentality of the organization. I just think it's undeniable anymore. I mean, the whole mythos of the Steinbrenner Yankees that I think kind of influenced baseball culture for decades. I have, I think by this point is 
just completely outdated. I feel like it just has to be ignored. I mean, there's nothing that separates a Yankees team from the Dodgers team or even in a lot of ways from uh, the Red Sox and the Padres and other big market teams or even the Angels. There's all, all these teams are willing to spend, yes, like a significant team more, significantly amount more than a Pirates or a Rays, but there is a restriction that makes it not, that makes it finite that I think um, it, it, the reality becomes more and more telling, I feel like. And um, you just don't, you, you know, obviously they have the same advantage that they have the scouting and the resources and the analytics of those smaller teams with a, but, a larger budget. But I guess I guess I, I know this has been said a million times. It's pretty old, but uh, I don't. We're never going back. I guess this version where the Yankees give you know Jacoby Ellsbury 160 million dollars for seven years or something one off season. That's I guess. Uh, I hope not. You keep you keep just like addressing your own points when when you talk through these things. It's like you you real like you answering your own concerns with with you know, just an external monologue, which is kind of interesting. One day I could just do like a split personality one where be like five Alex, Alex Rudy's just talking. Oh, Only if you do <laughs> five different accents. No, but you said it you, like you, you literally said you addressed the concerns is that the Yankees aren't the same team that they were before, but they are good at developing players and they will spend the money when they need to. And that's why they kind of that's why they kind of don't have windows anymore. Like there's no window that's closing with the Dodgers or any of these other good teams that spend money because they develop players and spend the money to fill in the gap. That's just that's a good model. I, I, like I'm not worried. I, I don't give me reasons to worry in the future, please. Uh, don't can, don't can make briefly, me regret that. Can we briefly just flip throw in and then I'll we'll finally move on. Uh-huh. The fake Luis Castillo trade rumors. <laughs> oh yeah, just, I just want to throw out there that that was a thing. That was just a for thing. the. Uh, Luis Castillo is still on the Reds for for anybody who's confused about that, and Glaber Torres still on the Yankees. Um, apparently there was like I don't even know how true it is if, if discussions were had, but like Castillo they for Torres, they both both sides kind of said no to that it's like it's a dead deal it's you ever you ever make a fantasy pr- uh, proposal and it's immediately shot down and then you counter with like well we want this player and like no okay well that sounds like what it was if if, if it wasn't the tweet the tweet i saw today and i forget who it was but it was a um, john Heyman uh tweeted about uh, it yeah john, john Heyman said basically the reds asked for uh torres in the Castillo trade um, Yankees said no, and they basically both said no. Um, <laughs> uh, so I, I, I think it's funny that that tweet said uh, the deal from the Yankees side is done. Yeah, you, <laughs> from one side <laughs> makes no sense in the context of a trade at all. It's ridiculous. <laughs> can we can we please get can we find a better source of of these breaking stories than Twitter? Twitter is just awful. They're I think we awful. should just become like Dominican beat reporters for the MLB. That's clearly where it's at. I mean, <laughs> the amount of traction these rumors gained when they were like debunked from the beginning is I just think like it, I think it's like a, we don't we can say this for another podcast. But like John Boy is doing anal, analysts uh, analysis. Excuse me. Of these, of this fake trade, when from the very beginning, like I, I guess, like I'm a here's what I'm, here's my why I guess is my reaction. I'm I follow soccer really closely, 
and this is less common in American sports, but in soccer, like these kinds of like false rumors are extremely common. Like it's the bread and butter of like the sports journalism industry in like Mm. Europe, for example. Mm. And so like you, I have a different skepticism, like, and I guess like I was, I was honestly a little disappointed to see like the MLB community, like just take this and run. I feel like that was just because like so little was overall happened this off season and people were just kind of looking for anything. But I, like if if Passin is not on it, like that's all I need to know. Like he's woe <laughs> to baseball. Like he's he's God. Like he's God tier source. Like either Pat. Like I think there was a the Mayhew contract was uh, first reported by John Boy Media because Passin gave it to them. So that's I didn't like know my that. microcosm cool. sports journalism nerd. Yeah, it, it with with the NBA woe is clearly the twitter guy and then it's shams and stuff like that i think with the mlb it was just a bunch of reporters <laughs> trying to get to that be that guy um ken rosenthal obviously is one of them yeah, but, I, but we've definitely talked i think ken rosenthal has but, always been respected as one of the top guys anyways um yeah. but jeff passon is just he gets to the point i mean he's like Schefter, basically and he yeah. and he closed on a sandwich for less than seven dollars like good for exactly. him. Um, let us know if you want a uh, a MLB, on, MLB reporter tier list in the future. Let us. Oh, know. That, that's a great podcast idea. Let's do that. Okay, Ru- Rudy, let me know, and Verbod, let me know. Okay. So you guys, let us know too. Uh, at Beat the Shift BP, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I did it earlier this time. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> we're gonna spend the rest. <laughs> we're gonna we made it candy <laughs> to the podcast. Well done. Ooh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna try I'm gonna try to do that again in the future. I guarantee it. Uh, we have a few more like small, small signings. Uh, Kurt Suzuki is an angel now. Yay! I didn't for, know that. For you guys, yeah, that's cool. really small. Yeah, he's he's been he's been hitting well last couple of years. The Angels yeah. wanted someone to come in. Um, with I think like he's played Stassi. before though. Uh, no, he he went he went to Cal State Fullerton. So and he went. To, he played on the A's. So he he's, he has like Southern California, and California. He was ties. like an angel type of guy. Yeah. No. He he's uh, he's definitely been like he was best friends with some guys on the team. Went to Florida since he's a SoCal guy. Mm. Um, well, I hope he hits some balls so hard for your team. Uh, Archie Bradley signed with the Phillies. Hopefully, not the worst bullpen of all time next year. Uh, I saw it. this really weird. I'm sorry, I keep on interrupting, but there's uh-huh. a really weird notification that I got one day, which was like Archie Bradley going to Phillies? Question mark. Like, uh, like an inside look on the bidding war for Archie Bradley. I'm like, I don't, I don't think there's a bidding war. <laughs> like, I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's not a bad pitcher, especially with the Phillies. I mean, the Phillies need bullpen help, and that's coming from an Angels fan. Yeah. You can say that again. Uh, what do you think the bidding war was like for John Lester going to Washington? I how old is John Lester now? Eighty like seven. Uh, I was, yeah, I was unsure. He's Thirty seven. Well. You're close. Thirty seven. <laughs> close. Bad, yeah. yeah, in in uh, baseball years, in dog years, that's it's just ancient. Um, but yeah, Washington got a got a guy. They 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 always seem to need to fill the back end of their rotation, and he's a good clubhouse guy he's a good leader so let's let's he's see a couple it. years removed from an 18 win season three year three year i mean he's not going to be amazing but yeah they 
they've had the Gio Gonzalez and the Anibal Sanchez of the world. Why not? Yeah, let's let her rip. Let the cutters on the let the backdoor cutters rip, and uh, just see how see how much you can get out of them. Um, all right, yeah, and then the rest of this podcast, we are going to just be talking about stuff that hasn't happened yet. Uh, we'll talk about a few free agents who really haven't been talked about much at all, just even in rumors or anything. We're just kind of like, where do you think these guys will end up? We did predictions for them already. This this won't be super fresh stuff, but just kind of checking in uh, on some guys that maybe you're like, oh, yeah, they're still out there. Uh, just just maybe. And uh, a few trade candidates. Um, we will see which ones of these players we dis- we uh, we picked out are actually trade candidates. We'll rank the likelihood that they move this offseason. But let's start with the free agents. Uh, how about Marcus Semyon? Really good shortstop uh, from the A's. Had a down year. Kind of, yeah, down year, especially from a third-place MVP finish in 2019. Last full year he played. So the market I mean, for I, him... I guess the question is, at, at 30 years old, do you think he's closer to 2019 Semyon or 2020 Semyon? Somewhere um, in between. Yeah, somewhere in between, of course. Uh, but 2019 Simeon wasn't was a new Marcus Simeon. It was not the same Marcus Simeon that um, you know, was kind of uh, scoffed at for his his lackluster defense and kind of all or nothing offense. He he developed really quality plate discipline and led off for a team that was able to manufacture a lot of runs. He he just scores a lot of runs when when he gets on base at that at that rate. Um, that part looks sustainable, on, like on base numbers and plate discipline numbers, over the span of a full season, are are one of the more convincing things to me that seem less luck based than just you know him hitting the the cover off the ball compared to usual or you know maybe some other outlierish things that may have happened. Uh, and and you mentioned I mean, you also... mentioned his age too though. Like I guess one good question is just like after Lemayhu got the money he got. Um, what what's what's there for Marcus Simeon? I mean, there's teams that need shortstops that should spend money for Marcus Simeon, but um, if Lemayhu's only getting ninety million, uh, even if it is for six years, like how much is Marcus Simeon gonna get as a thirty year old shortstop? I mean, it's also like he's he's a guy that year after year, except for twenty twenty, he's gotten better. I mean, he was I don't know if you guys remember his first couple years on the A's, he was one of the worst defensive shortstops in the league. Um, yeah, made huge strides there as well. The uh, like he's he's gotten better and better. I think some of the rumors about him have been really, certainly interesting. Um, like uh, Philly might be interested. The Red Sox might want him at second. I mean, even now with Lemayhew, I think it's come out that the Dodgers have him on, on their list for third base. Um, it, he's. I don't know if he'll get a Lemayhew contract, but at the same time. Mayhew, as we discussed, I mean, his contract was pretty small for the type of player that he is. So, I mean, where do you, what, what do you guys think he could get? Well, I honestly thought he could get like ninety million over the span of like four years, but you know, just gauging the market now, it's like maybe won't get that much. Something. I like had that. two years. Sorry, I had two years, thirty-six. Okay. So clearly, I'm way more pessimistic, but I think, um, considering what Lemayhu got, I feel like that's fair. Yeah, to be honest. I'm I'm closer to Rudy's uh, valuation of him. Maybe a third vesting option would be like, so. Yeah, there's a lot of creative contracts nowadays. I, mean, I still like I still like my pick for him though. 
Uh, he I, got screwed. He to did. be honest, like he's a classic guy who like this short season. You know, if he'd been a free agent one year earlier, he probably would have gone the contract Udi is proposing for him, no problem. Most certainly. Uh, I to me, like the Reds still need a shortstop, right? If I if I thinking of this properly, and they are a team that is really looking like they're there to contend in a an NL Central division that is, the rest of which is kind of rolled over. Let's let's see it. You know, Reds spend some money, finally have a good shortstop, good leadoff hitter, and see what they can do. <laughs> That's it. Seems really, uh, like the like a way better fit than any other team that I can think at the moment. All right, uh, let's talk Nelson Cruz because, uh, we still don't really know what's going on with the DH this year. Manfred's kind of hinted that there won't be one, but Major League Baseball hasn't come out and said anything about if there well, will he's not be one. one in the AL either. No, in the in the. You know what I meant. You know what I meant. Um, I've seen people joking, like, actually, they're just going to add a second one to the AL and, and remove the one from the NL. But, uh, I mean, I'm down. <laughs> yeah, Nelson Cruz is just kind of waiting for teams to know what's going on, and uh, somebody will snag him up on a one-year deal uh, right away. Maybe the Padres, because why not? Why not them, right? Uh, but everybody wants his bat for a year if they can get it. Uh, any any other interesting landing spots or takes on Cruz? Who'd you say? I said the Padres because <laughs> the Padres. <laughs> um, I don't have him. I mean, if, if there's a NLDH, that'd be really interesting. I I honestly think he's either going to return. I I don't think he's going to the National League unless there's announcement made soon enough that there is going to be a DH in the, in the, in the NL. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he returns to Minnesota. I also think I, I've, I've always thought that Marcel would go to um, Chicago, uh, Chicago White Sox, but I mean, why not put, put Cruz at DH? That'd be interesting. Did they already have Edwin Encarnacion? I thought he was gone. Is he gone? Oh, uh, maybe I'm not paying attention. He's not a free agent, is he? All right. Well, oh, no. <laughs> he, he's he's a mystery for sure. Then. Uh, oh, he's a free agent. Yeah. Oh, all right. I'm learning. Uh, so Jake Odorizzi is the last player that we're going to talk about. Pretty pretty okay pitcher who the Angels probably won't sign because they won't sign anybody. But <laughs> where uh, where do you think he'll end up, Furbode? I. <laughs> uh that that your comment there hurt my heart um but it's it's okay it's a i i i have to go angels right like we need pitching uh that's what you please. think they clearly please. disagree um yeah the blue jays and the angels right now seem to be struggling like sharing in that struggle of desperately needing starting pitching and not getting it at all uh well the the, so that's the, fun. the difference is at least there's rumors coming out of Toronto that they're talking to uh, Toronto, like Trevor Bauer. Person. They're just like the, the person you use to like make the person you really want want you more. It's like a pure jealousy play. Yeah, but there's nothing coming out of Anaheim. Like, <laughs> would, you rather be, would you rather be teased with and then just cast aside as worthless or just like ignored completely? Yeah, the Angels are like, um, I, was, I didn't even want to go to prom anyway. It's stupid. And yeah. just like yeah, avoid it I, altogether. 
I don't know. I, I do have to give Perry Minazzi and, and like the new front office some benefit of the doubt because I'm sure they have a plan and maybe that's why nothing's been really reported that maybe they're playing this market really patiently. Um, but it definitely as a fan, it's kind of a bummer when you see all these guys like, Oh, just like Uwe said earlier in this podcast, why couldn't my team have done that? And like, obviously if there's a plan, there's a plan. Let's hope they, let they execute on that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, with the blue Jays, at least like, as a fan, I would be probably more interested in less going crazy seeing, Oh, the blue Jays are linked to so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so rather than uh, months go by big Padre trade happens. And then on Twitter, you see the angels sign like Kurt Suzuki and Kurt Suzuki (laughs) is a great catcher, but you would, um, I may, I'm assuming they're just trying to check some boxes. And I think, I think the angels have a, have some plans going forward. I think they wanted to first quickly fix the shortstop spot, add someone to the bullpen, which they did, um, and then get get some help at get some depth at catcher, and that's mm-hmm. that's that's what they've done so far. So maybe their pitching plan. This is all like coming. Maybe it's all according coming to plan for them. I just want to let you know, Farbode, I, I thought the same thing about the Star Wars sequels when those started rolling out. Like, <laughs> hey, they got a plan, they got a plan. Like, I, I they just got to wow. they just got to execute. Give me that PTSD. Spoiler alert. I mean, they, they didn't have a plan. They didn't have a plan. Considering Victor Rojas just left to run a minor league team, I feel like that does not speak highly of the future of the Angels. No, I think I that's think just that's like that's anything. just good for him. You know, he he wanted yeah, to do something different. Anyways, anyways, answer the question. I have Jake Odorizzi going to the Red Sox as I did. Oh, that was a question. Yeah. So for two years, and I believe uh, thirty million. And considering the Red Sox had some big announcement that they were gonna do some big moves, and then they signed Martin Perez, I think for like five million dollars. Big, uh, big I'm stuff. I'm still in contention because. There's nothing that says big move like Odorizzi. So it's true. What a stud. Uh, all right. Maybe they'll trade for that guy, uh, Mookie Betts. Nah, it seems unlikely. I, I I think there's no there's no connection there at all, really, that I can think of. Mm. Uh, no. Uh, let's let's wrap up with just four players who I'm gonna list and you rank the likelihood of them getting traded. Let's go from from least likely to get traded to most likely. So order these names. Yeah, in for what me. time frame? This year. Are, are we are we saying like this, this year, the, this before the end, like before overall. the trade deadline of twenty twenty one? Okay. All right. Uh, you got uh, Andrew Benintendi. You got Glaber Torres. You got Wilson Contreras, and Chris Bryant. Who's going first? Uh, Rudy, you go first. I would go uh, Contreras, Bryant, Bantendi, Torres. Okay. But to um, me, Contreras and Bryant are, like, at the same level. Like, they're they're both – to me, it's like they're both guaranteed. Bantendi is most likely – I don't see Torres getting traded. I don't understand those rumors. He's not – we just we just talked about how the Yankees refused to trade him for Luis Castillo. So who are they trading him for? Um, yeah, I, I don't think he's likely to get traded at all. I will say you would have gotten minus a lot of, a lot of marks on that exam, uh, just 
by by not reading the question correctly. Uh, I did say who's least, most likely least, to be dealt. No, I said Contreras and Bryant most likely. No, I said, dealt. but I did say let's do at least likely to most likely. Well, very you explicitly. You said I didn't read the directions, and I explicitly read them. So maybe I didn't listen <laughs> to the directions. Fair enough. I read them. Fair enough. Um, so for mode. for me, I think um, I agree with Rudy. Torres is the least likely to be dealt. Um, after that, I think Bryant Torres and I mean Bryant Contreras and Benintendi all will get dealt, but it just depends on when. Bryant, I think he's. I'll put him at. Uh, I'll put Contreras at third. Um, Bryant, I think he'll get dealt by the trade deadline, not by this offseason. Contreras, maybe. Um, at the end of the offseason, maybe they'll hold on to them. I, I don't know. The Cubs are have been really weird with the two of them. They've been in trade talks, but then also rumors that like they could hold on to them i i i think they could um ben intendi i have him at as number one uh, most likely to be built uh, the rumors are right now that the red sox are engaged in trade talks for him and there was one rumor that I, I don't know the validity of it but it said that um a trade could happen by this weekend yeah. just get you Someone in your life that overrates you the same way the Red Sox fans have overrated Ben Intendi for his entire career. Can I can I fall in that boat? I I was a big fan of of Sir Ben Intendi, chicken tendies. Uh, just other no than, other than the super other than the super no likable name, the Brock Holt. It's the Brock Holt effect. No, but Ben Intendi had really really high prospect pedigree, which was you know the reason for a lot of the hype that was generated around him. Uh, just hit at every level that he was at. And even in the major leagues, over the, the span of a season, looked like a really solid player. It's just kind of a, a, a series of events that, that led to him not living up to expectations after that after that season. Uh, and, you know, you, it, with guys like that, you just really like to hope that the talent isn't just gone um, and that he can find it again somewhere. So, yeah, let's, let's, see, him, let's see him somewhere else. Uh, I think the Red Sox fans have kind of accepted that he is not their uh their superstar corner outfielder question. of the future yeah very random if you guys don't have an answer that's completely okay who do you think is the most likely to be the james harden of this group put on a ton of weight and then get traded force there's a trade no away. way he put on that weight because he's like completely he's like 50 pounds lighter now so <laughs> yeah really put towels it's, it's, a, it's just it's just water weight outfit. it's just water weight dude the uh, whole thing made no sense I don't think any of these guys are good enough to be compared to James Harden. That's my answer. Wilson is, Contreras. Is there anyone in the league that you that you see could just essentially force his way out of his um, current but, team situation by getting chunky? Not by getting chunky, but like oh. in the same <laughs> way that in the same like overall methods that James Harden used. Um. Now, now I'm just thinking of chunky Mike Trout, and I don't, I don't know how to feel about that. Um. No, I, I don't think so. I think, I don't think Chris Bryant would like put on like that much weight. But I think with all of the issues that he's had with the Cubs in the past, um, maybe he does put pull off some sort of thing. Um, Is that what he's been doing the past couple of seasons when he hasn't been that good? I, I mean, defiantly I'm getting not, injured. Dude, I'm not. I'm not trying to make this about putting on weight, but like finding ways to basically be like, dude, trade me. This isn't gonna work. See, that just doesn't uh, happen in in baseball. It's dude, it, we're so boring. Baseball's so boring compared to the NBA, with the player drama. Dude, trade me, please. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a, that's basically as far as it could go. Um, but yeah, that's honestly like 
the, I think that's the synopsis. That was a hard list to order because Contre- Contreras and Bryant likely will be traded. Um, maybe not this offseason. Benintendi, I agree, could go this offseason. I wouldn't be shocked at all. Let's see him in Oakland. How about that for fun? That feels right. Yeah, I like that. All right. Um, that, that feels like they won't pay him. They never do. But I think it also feels right to end the podcast right here because we talked about everything we want to talk about. I think we had some good discussions today. So thank you, everybody, who has made it to this point in the podcast. Uh, if you did enjoy it, make sure to rate and comment and subscribe to our podcast uh, so you can see when we post new ones. Uh, we do want to hear from you, like feedback. What do you want to hear us talk about? Uh, let us know at Beat the Shift BP on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, any of those places. And check out our website, beattheshiftbaseball.com. Uh, I don't know why I keep plugging it because it is kind of like incomplete right now. We are overhauling some stuff, but it's still there. Podcast articles, uh, whatever you want to see from us is there. So that is it for today. Thanks, everybody. One last time. As always, Farbode. Peace. <laughs>